Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. Me, Dave Pendleton. How are you doing, David? I'm all right. You? Yeah. It's raining. Mm. It's a bit miserable after a, a wonderful spring so far, but hopefully the summer will be good. So, so Dave, so. Uh, we've had a request from a customer um, for a podcast. And that request has is on a particular topic that actually we get quite a lot of um you know, questions asked around, it comes up a lot in our client sessions and actually more so in the one-to-ones that we do, you know, mm. around coaching and development. So, and it's the topic of imposter syndrome. Mm. Now, imposter syndrome, I think everybody likes, to, at a high level, tries to understand it, gets the general gist of it. But what is imposter syndrome? Is it common? You know, do... uh a lot of people suffer from it, and if so, is there something you can do about it, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what we'll just do, Dave, is, is discuss it all on this podcast, nice and relaxed, see where it goes. Cool. So imposter syndrome, let me let me kick us off by giving you my definition or the, the, the general understood definition in psychology around imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is sort of like when you are being like the swan, it's when you are externalizing yourself to the world as I'm doing okay, I am successful, I'm rising the ranks, I'm seemingly doing okay in my personal life, my career, I have a nice house, a family, I drive nice cars, I have a decent career, I have income, I'm working my way up or whatever it might be. But on the inside of your mind, of you, it doesn't feel like that. You have this inner fear that you are ain't good enough. How have you got yourself to this position? Are you going to get found out? You know, it's only a matter of time and I'm out my depth. And I think that is probably the best way to describe imposter syndrome. It's when a human being, what they feel on the inside about themselves is not always mirroring what they are portraying on the outside. And it's it's this mass fear of being found out, of not being good enough. It's almost like you're not giving yourself the credit for the things you've achieved in life and where you're at. Um, Dave, I'll, I'll come come straight to you on this. We see this a lot in people who have risen up the organisations, who positions of either leadership, command, or authority, or just influence in significant positions. They now have a voice, and they have, you know, they're accountable for a certain level of performance. And they just constantly doubt themselves, whether they're good enough, how they're being viewed, how they're being observed, etc. It's quite common, Dave, isn't it? It is, yeah. And as you rightly suggest, we uh, come across it quite a bit in the one-to-ones because it's a very difficult thing to admit to anyone else, even though you probably have got some sort of idea about, about what's going on inside, even though you might not be able to give it a label. It does seem much more common now that people are able to label these feelings of doubt and lack of confidence. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me ab- about this whole piece, Martin, is about, it's about perspective. Because quite often, as you rightly say, people who um, experience and, you know, worse still suffer um, at the hands of imposter syndrome, 
are quite often deemed by their friends and colleagues at work as being very successful, as being very competent and capable, being excellent leaders, you know, whatever it might be. It's they themselves doubt their ability to do that. And I think that's the key. It's about perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I also think there's, there's two takes on this, right? Because the first thing to say is imposter syndrome is not a condition that some people suffer from and some people don't. Imposter syndrome is an entirely human response to um, the the fear of failure, the fear of um, you know not being good enough or not getting things right. And as we'll come on to, Dave, there are certain people who are wired in certain ways who will mm-hmm. be more susceptible to imposter syndrome than others. However, I maintain every human being on the planet could suffer from this in the, in the fact that we can all feel like we're winging it on the surface, right? Where, and, and, we're, and on, on the inside, we don't feel as, an assur- as assured and confident about something as what we might be showing, right? We all have that. However, there are two types of people with this. Let's take me, for example, and you might come under the same bracket. I look at that situation where I'm confident on the surface, but feel like I'm winging it on the inside. I look at that as a general positive. I'm like, listen, you fake it till you make it, right? Mm. The only way I'm going to become confident on the inside is to do it so many Mm. times on the surface that I form a habit of it. So I view it as my inner worry or insecurity at this time is part of the process. It's part of progress. I'm going to grow by not being sure about things, by trying new things, and then only in time will the confidence on the inside mirror it, right? Mm -hmm. So I use that to my advantage, whereas some people, it's how you interpret that vulnerability on the inside, isn't it? It's how you interpret. If you you fear being vulnerable in the first place, it's going to actually fuel imposter syndrome. If you're absolutely okay with being vulnerable, it's going to counteract it. So I think the ability to be vulnerable and being open about actually vulnerability is part of progress. It's part of growth is a huge important point on imposter syndrome. It's those who try to suppress it because they feel like being vulnerable is weak and therefore the fear of being found out grows even greater. That's the ones who it tends to cause a problem with. Would you agree with that, Dave? Yeah. And it sort of feels to me as though we're drifting into uh, psychological safety there, Martin. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, this is a topic we started talking about quite a lot recently. And I suppose on, on one of the podcasts that we did a little while ago around psychological safety, I think we even mentioned imposter syndrome. This is where this can start to live. Um, you know, and that, right, you, like you say, that's the, the fear of exposure, the fear of demonstrating vulnerability, even though that's not necessarily the case. So I, I think it, it definitely for me, it's the whole thing about um, other people's perception and your own perspective of your other uh, of your uh, abilities and capabilities. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. And there are some people who are going to be more susceptible to this for different reasons. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, I actually, I actually grow in my life and career through through a bit of imposter syndrome and being like the swan. I actually go, you know, you've got to try new things and fake it till you make it. But that's because I'm driven by things where to succeed and achieve is really important to me. To go and have a go and take risks is really important to me. And therefore, I don't mind the vulnerabilities that come with that. I don't mind holding my mm. hand up and go, that, mm. well, that didn't work, sure. right? Mm. Whereas some people are driven in different ways out the day. Like, let's take for it, I mean, we do a lot of work on print. Let's take the perfectionist. So I think people who are overly perfectionistic about things 
have a higher chance of suffering from imposter syndrome because their greatest fear is for things not being absolutely perfect and to the standard and quality that they perceive other people need. And therefore, anything that's not perfect starts to make them doubt themselves, which that's when imposter syndrome starts to come up. So that's, I don't have a perfect perfectionistic drive, Dave. I don't have a perfection. You're, you're probably smiling as you're thinking, really? But I, I don't have, <laughs> fundamentally, I don't have this perfectionistic, everything has to be like this primary drive. So it doesn't overly play havoc with me. And you don't really to an extent. Sometimes me and you are okay with leaving some room for things to either not be complete or to, to can evolve in time or we can change it or it might, you know. So I think if you're out there listening to this and you suffer from imposter syndrome, ask yourself this first question, Dave. Are you a perfectionist? Because I don't know if you would agree, but I think they have a higher susceptibility to imposter syndrome than some others. Well, it's an interesting point you make, and, and I experienced this very conversation uh, with a group of guys that I was working with last week, uh, and we did indeed have somebody um, on the the virtual call who had um, a, a combination through print that is entirely around perfectionism. Um, it was the knowledgeable and smart, perfect, correct, and right. And as we know, that is the most, um, that's the combination that drives standards and, and perfection and all the rest of it more than any other combination. And interestingly, when the, when the group was sharing their results and sharing their thoughts and feelings and so forth, this, this sort of theme came up from this particular person. And, and it was really interesting that one of his colleagues actually stopped him in, halfway in his tracks and said, yeah, but do you know what? Your 80% from your own perception is most of ours 120%. It's and that's how it is. You know, you beat yourself up about not being able to do X, X, and X. It's and we're more than happy with even half of what you've just given us because it, it fits, it suits the need, it helps us achieve what we need to achieve. And compared to what other people put out, you know, it's it's over and above what some of us might even expect. Uh, and, and that again brings me back down to the self-perception thing and and rightly say what you say in terms of the the perfectionism, because if it's that all or nothing mentality, then it's always going to be a very difficult thing to achieve. Achieving all is very, very difficult. Yeah. And if it's not all, it's nothing. Yeah. And that's when people beat themselves up. No, you make a really good point. So perfectionism really has the ability to fuel imposter syndrome because their greatest fear is things not being perfect. Having any little dents, any little mishaps, any little anything that they deem as not being right, they, they feel, so perfectionists feel like other human beings spot the same things they spot. Yeah. And the reality is they Dave, don't at all. nobody spots no. what the perfectionist no, spots. No. So the perfectionist like starts to gather imposter syndrome, build imposter syndrome based on something that actually other people are highly likely to never even never notice. Even yeah, right. But in your yeah. mind, you're thinking, if I can see it, they can see it. And that's where the self-doubt and the worry comes in. Mm. The second one I'm going to throw in the mix, Dave, and I'll, and I'll throw it over to you, is this. It's, so if, if the perfectionist suffer from, from imposter syndrome because they fear the outcomes and tasks and activities being not perfect, there's also a humanistic side to imposter syndrome. So I see a lot of people, and we can link it to print again, Dave, but I, can, I see a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome when they don't want to let others down. Mm. 
So the humanistic 6-2, like, the you know, the safe and secure, the needed and appreciated mm. type motivators, they, they sometimes suffer inner self-doubt because their greatest fear is letting other human beings down or feeling like another person can't depend on them. So they put an awful lot of pressure on themselves from a humanistic p- perspective to deliver outcomes for others. Now, just like the perfectionist is fighting the losing battle on everything being right and, and perfect, the letting people down, the humanistic imposter syndrome, is also an impossible task because you can't be all things to all people, Dave. And you can't get it 100% of the right and please everybody all the time. So when people go up into leadership positions and they, ha- they, are, they have this imposter sy- syndrome driven by the fear of letting people down, the more people that rely on them, the greater the the imposter syndrome becomes because they're trying desperately not to let people down. People's comments in meetings, what people think of them, everything starts to matter tenfold to people who don't want to let other people down. So there's a humanistic side to imposter syndrome as well as the perfectionist side, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, I think you started to touch on a really important point for me about that, particularly that uh, that motivator. Uh, and, and that's the, in some people, we almost see this paranoia of what other people think of them because they're always trying to project themselves to the outside world as positive, helpful, trustworthy, honest, and so on and so forth. So if ever they feel as though they're not projecting all of that, those, those different levels of positivity and, and amazing human traits, then that's when it starts to create doubt. And, you know, I, I experienced that as well. Um, not in myself, but certainly in one or two people close to me, you know, they are constantly aware of what others think of them. And that creates instant, immediate internal self-doubt. Yeah. And, and it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Because what happens is the more you worry about what people think, the more you overcompensate on your external Absolutely. behavior. Mm. So like often, quite often, right, the, the people who smile the most, who project the most, who seemingly on the surface is great to be around and all the rest of it, they're overcompensating and it, it grows tiresome because then when they retract to the safe space, it's like peaks and troughs. They then start worrying about if they're doing enough and what people think. So then they overcompensate again on the externally. Mm. And this is what I talk about in the confidence conundrum video and the stuff that we do. When what you externalize to the world, when your surface confidence is far greater than your inner self-confidence, when there's a misalignment between them two, that is where imposter syndrome thrives. Mm. You know, and vice versa, when your inner self-confidence is high and you're you're not projecting it to the world, you worry for a different reason. But imposter syndrome comes from the first scenario. High surface confidence, you know, you're projecting and projecting and overcompensating so much, but then you're you doubt yourself self on the inside so much in your personal or private space that you start to really fuel imposter syndrome. And the key to it, Dave, really, is you've got to align them. And mm. only vulnerability. Only in vulnerability lies the answer to alignment. Mm. Only when you are willing to say, listen, I worry loads about what people think about me. I am always worried whether this is right or not. And, you know, it's just me. And, you know, I'm just, and I need some validation for these reasons. When you actually have the confidence just to be, to align them and say, what I project is what I feel, the good, the bad, or the ugly. That's the first steps to solving imposter syndrome. Mm. 
And the problem for people who are either humanistic and worried about letting people down or the perfectionist is that their biggest fear is looking weak or letting people know mm. that's how they feel. So it's the biggest step to take. But anybody listening to this at this point with 15 minutes in, if you're suffering from either of the scenarios Dave and I have spoken about, you have to align your surface and inner self-confidence, which means what you portray to the world has to be what you feel inside. And if that is vulnerability and self-doubt, then so be it. That is the start of, 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 of counteracting imposter syndrome. What, what, what else from you, Dave? Who else could suffer from imposter syndrome apart from the perfectionist or the, you know, the person who fears letting people down? Well, I think um, I think it's those people as well who try to sort of demonstrate that really high level of external strength when potentially it's their environment that demands it from their own perspective. Yes. So I can speak from experience on this one. Um, as someone who likes to do that anyway, and I think that's the one reason why this I don't suffer from imposter syndrome with this because I'm wired in a way mm. to get fulfillment sure. from it, right? However... I can resonate at times, Dave, because I'm only human, that I'm a strong character, I know, I'm driven with strong motivators, and I run the company. Um, there is definitely a sense when you put all that in the melting pot, when you're responsible for livelihoods, for customers, for you know family, everything. When it's on your shoulders every day and you are acting like the superheroes, keeping it all together... You know, even the most strong of people, even the most driven of people get to a point where that constant turning up, projecting, I've got the ship, don't worry, I'll shoulder the burden, mm. that grows testing and tiresome for the most strong of people. Mm. It does. Mm. And sometimes I, t I sit back, Dave, and reflect and go, am I mad? Mm. Have I actually got all this? Mm. These All these balls that are spinning, you know? And And... The answer to that for me is very quickly followed by, yeah, of course you have. Yeah. But not everybody's no, no. not everybody's wide in that way. So what you're saying here is people who carry great responsibility and who are shouldering 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 that burden constantly of mm. either leadership or responsibility and accountability, imposter syndrome can very quickly creep in. Yeah, and I think the interesting point here to make is that they are carrying that heavy weight um, because they think they should or think they have to. When actually, if they just asked a few more questions, demonstrated a bit more vulnerability, they'd probably find out that that maybe the whole responsibility is not theirs to carry. Do you know what? You know, you you do this. You've done this a few times. So there's been a couple of times over the years where, even for me, I start to go, "Gee, where are we going with this?" You know, and and is it possible? And can we do this? And there's a couple of times we've had conversations. And you go to me, Martin, listen, I've got your back. I'll take it on. I'll take that. You don't need to do that. I've got it covered. Why don't you do this? And honestly, the relief in me when I go, oh, thank God he said that. There you go, Dave. Over to you. <laughs> yeah. but your it's point, counterproductive for my, my workload, generally speaking. Your <laughs> point being is, your point being is the perception that you have to carry everything and yeah. do everything yeah. is the skewed perception. Absolutely. Because actually... If you've got people around you, the right people, they mm. are more than willing to take stuff off you. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to be the one who controls everything, who drives everything, who mm. carries the burden for everything. And actually, those moments where I can offload to you 
or you take stuff on or whatever, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. That's enough for me to reset. Yeah. So I guess if there's a leader listening to this who's maybe suffering a little bit from it and you feel a bit isolated and alone, mm. ask yourself the question, are you absolutely utilizing the people around you? That's right, yeah. But to do that, Dave, it comes back to being vulnerable. Of course. You have to admit to people that you're sinking. Yeah. I can't do all this. Because people will go, I know you bloody can't. I'm watching you. Mm. Now, what can I do for you? Yeah. It is a really good point, that. Delegation and and offloading and empowering and trusting is is a is an answer to the superhero who's starting to struggle with imposter syndrome. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah. So I think, you know, at this point, it's worth mentioning and just re recapping on a few things, Dave, before I bring you in, is this. Imposter syndrome isn't a condition that's reserved and diagnosed to certain people. All human beings are driven by survival and away from risk by their nature, which means at times we can all encounter situations that we're uncomfortable with, not experienced in, or we feel inner self-doubt around. And we can doubt our abilities, and therefore anybody can suffer from imposter syndrome, and we all have to different degrees at different levels. However, what we've explored is that some people are more susceptible to others from suffering from imposter syndrome on a more regular basis. And that is very much around, well, we talked about three things. We talked about those who are perfectionists and who suffer because they want everything to be perfect and right. And if it's not, they fear that other people can see what they can see. The answer to that is they very rarely can. And it's a, it's a, it's a perception thing. The second people who can suffer regularly are people who feel letting others down, the humanistic side of imposter syndrome. And that is because you, you're trying to be all things to all people and your perspectives, again, are, are not aligned. And, and the last one we talked about there is the, is the superhero, the person who shoulders a lot of responsibility and accountability. This often happens as you rise up the chain mm. and you have that moment and mm. go, Jesus, I'm running an X million pound business with 3,000 people mm. and I'm on the hook for it. Oh, my God. How did I get here and can I do it, right? Mm -hmm. So those who shoulder uh, responsibility, those who take everything on themselves tend to start to suffer. And the answer to that lies in delegation and vulnerability. What else, Dave? What else have you got on imposter syndrome that we haven't discussed? Um, I think, I guess, just a little bit of commonality that I see is that it, it tends to be when people have been newly promoted um, that there's been a period of reflection and they feel as though this thing is far too big for their skills and abilities. Um, some people kind of reflect and think they've got no clue how they got there because they've got no idea about their own competencies and capabilities. You know, they've never been through processes of, of measuring just how good they are and getting that level of feedback, I suppose. Um, and I suppose the, they're, the two, they're the two places that I come across it the most when doing one-to-ones. Um, and I felt it as well, you know, I wouldn't say, cause I mean, I guess there's two different ways that, it, that people can, can feel it. And I, ex I think I experienced it, but I didn't suffer it. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I felt it. I understood it. I understood what it was. I didn't know what the name or anything was at the time. Cause I mean, this many years ago, but, um, I experienced it and it made me feel uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Um, but I was in a position where I, I, I actually had no choice but to get over it because <laughs> I was traveling halfway across the world working on my own. Uh, so I had, I had no, op no chance, uh, no choice sorry, th than just to get on with stuff and get past it, which I did thankfully. But I guess, you know, if it, if it perpetuates further and further, that's when it starts to create problems for people. 
So I guess maybe some thoughts about how we can get past it might be a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also those people, Dave, where they, people, sometimes I ask people who go through five years of a, of a degree to, to get their piece of paper and their qualification in a certain area. And I ask them why they've done that. And they go, and, and it's partly to get over imposter syndrome. Because if that piece of paper says I'm qualified, mm. I'll feel better about it. Yeah, right. And my answer to that is, but whilst you've been at university mm. for five years <laughs> and someone else has been in the wicket doing the job yeah, for five yeah, years, yeah. who's more experienced, mm. the piece of paper yeah. or the person, right? So don't get me wrong, I'm not mm. downplaying education and the importance of how that, but some people only mm. and solely need it to make them feel like they're qualified, interesting. right? Yeah. So it is interesting. But yeah, ways of getting around it with the last five minutes, Dave, for me is this. I've talked about it already. But the first start is vulnerability. Yeah, There's something really refreshing around anybody who's suffering from imposter syndrome just to sit down and have a conversation with someone and say, listen, mm. this is how I feel. Mm. I feel like how many CEOs have we coached who will stand up in front of their organization mm. and they are the strongest person that those people have ever seen, yet they sit in a room with us for two hours mm. going, I feel an imposter. Absolutely. Well, mm. it's mm. a high percentage of them, right? So – Actually, for that CEO to come to us and offload in a safe environment for the first time and acknowledge Absolutely. how they feel mm. is is the first steps to the resolution. Yeah, because the more you hide it, the bigger the fear of getting found out mm. grows. Mm. So you have to find a safe channel, a safe space, or a forum, or a colleague, or whoever to say, listen, yeah. can I just have five <clears throat> minutes? I feel completely overwhelmed here. Yeah, absolutely. It's human. It's normal. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is the first step towards solving imposter syndrome. What else have you got, Dave, in terms of strategies? Um, yeah, I think that's that's uh, it's a really good one, and I, I like the term um, perspective realignment. Yeah. Um, you know, asking others, which of course you've got to do by sharing your feelings and thoughts, but by speaking with maybe you know three or four trusted people around you, and that doesn't necessarily have to be people at work you know, people who are in your life, you know, you care for and so on and so forth. Just ask them to give you some honest feedback about what they think, yeah. you know, because it might well be that they say, do you know what? Actually, I was surprised that you took that job because it does feel as though it's a really big thing. So even that little bit of perspective realignment can help. You know, of course, what we like is that now nah, you've got this, this is, you know, you, you've definitely got the experience and skills. You've proven it over many, many years, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if it's the alternative, that's helpful too. Yeah. Because that helps us to think, actually, it's not me being paranoid or, you know, insecure. Actually, there is something to to think about here. So then it help, really helps to start to plan a way forwards rather than just remain in this, this sort of stasis state, if you like, yeah. where we do nothing. Yeah. I think the third thing on this is, is what we touched upon earlier, but there's an old African proverb. I, I put it on social media recently and it's, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I think part of the reason that I quote that African proverb in, in relation to imposter syndrome is because sharing your burden will help you go far together. So just because you are in a position where you're potentially paid or counted upon to call the shots and make all the decisions and respond under pressure doesn't mean you have to. Mm. So get your team aligned with you the only way you can get your team aligned is to be vulnerable once you've been vulnerable and say listen guys i'm sinking i need help you watch people step up like you do with me dave and go what can i take off your boss what do you need to give what do you need to give me for you to come up for air you know 
if you're going to go far, go together. And sometimes I think the biggest misconception, Dave, is that people at the top of the tree suffer from imposter syndrome because they don't share the burden. They carry everything themselves or they, mm. because they, they deem that that's the way a great leader should be. Mm. And they don't understand that actually a little bit of vulnerability at times mm. goes a long way. Mm. So I think share your burden. If you're going to go far, go together is, is a big tip from me. There's a big thing in there about cultural expectations as well, of course, you know, which we see in organizations. And I, I guess, thankfully, some of those tides are starting to turn. You know, people, organizations are becoming more aware of, of actually it's okay to not be all right today, you know, to, to have a, a, a slower day, you know, to, to face a challenge that you've not faced before and say, I've not done that before. Can anybody help? Um, but it is, I suppose, it's just a glimmer of light that we're seeing at the moment because there's still an awful lot of organizational expectations, particularly as you climb, you know, career ladders and hierarchies to be that strong character who can juggle many, many balls all at the same time, mm. who asks for less help because you've been deemed competent enough to give the role to, and so on and so forth. So I guess the thing there about, you know, if you are if you are senior within an organization, just keep checking in with some of your people. Keep asking them asking those questions. Give them the freedom to demonstrate a bit, a bit of vulnerability by prompting, by asking those questions. Just checking in on people. We talk about all the time, don't we, Martin, about, you know, everybody just needs to check in on everyone else from time to time just to see how people are doing. And just because you're top of the tree doesn't mean you're exempt. Absolutely. Right? In fact, actually, it gives you more responsibility to do those things, yeah. Yeah. not less. Absolutely. So with a minute left, let me just just um, encapsulate it all, Dave, and we'll finish it up. So imposter syndrome can happen to anybody. We've all experienced it. Ask yourself the question, am I a perfectionist? Is that causing my level of imposter syndrome? Am I? Do I have a fear of letting other human beings down, of people down, and is that causing it? Or... Am I senior or in a position of significant influence where I'm carrying the burden solely on my shoulders and it's all starting to feel a little bit too much? If either of those three scenarios describe you, the first step is vulnerability. Having conversations will open up a dialogue. You need to either delegate, realign your expectations and your perceptions and do something that allows you to not burden it and, and, and all on your own, which will then you know, be a self-perpetuating cycle and grow. Dave, I could talk to you all day for this and maybe we come back and do another one, but with mm. 10 seconds left, I'm going to cut it off there, mate. Thank, you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And um, no doubt we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast.